Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. And I want to read one scripture up front found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 29. Jesus makes an astounding declaration. If you did not receive a sermon card, you can put your hand in the air and one will be given to you at this time. But, but Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Now up front, realize, he doesn't say, I'm going to put my yoke on you. Meaning, there, there has to be a receptivity, an intentionality. But take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, Jesus wouldn't say learn from me if there wasn't many other areas or many other places that we could learn. As Pastor Craig mentioned about there is the culture around us. But Jesus says, come and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Pastor Craig preached a message last week, soul pain. I want to preach a message today titled, soul Wait, soul wait. And really, if there ever was a message that weighed upon my soul, it's this one. Soul wait. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that that name's above every name. And I thank you that every knee shall bow one day and every tongue shall confess one day that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I pray for the benefit of people that they would make that confession today. That they would confess not just with their mouth but their life the reality that the kingdom of God is at hand. May those that fight against it find themselves so weary, so futile to push against the goals and the authority and the working and the will of the Lord. Lord, I pray that your light would shine in hearts and minds today. That you would remove and... Help us to shake weights, weights and cares that are heavy on our soul. Bless us today with your presence. May it be felt and known. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice in our text, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls. Rest for your soul." Rest from what? Why does our soul need rest? Because there is a weight that our soul can feel. In fact, I don't have to be a prophet, for I'm not, to know when I look upon the faces of this community and watch people come in and out of gatherings. I don't have to be a prophet or prophetic to see the weight that many of us carry upon and in our souls. There is a soul weight. Let me explain. There are times in life and days in life where we wake up and our soul feels light. There's just an easiness. There's just a peaceableness to our mind, to our thought process, to our emotions. We just feel easy and we just feel restful in soul. We just feel sort of carefree. But then there's other days that we wake up and our soul feels heavy. There's just an anguish about the day. There's just a mental battle and complexity and there's just emotional turmoil and there's just a weightiness, not so much that we could measure on the scale that some of us have in our bathroom, 
But we can measure it by what we're feeling and experiencing in the moment. It's like what the psalmist said. He said, my soul melts from heaviness. I'm confident today that all of us have lived long enough to identify with what I've said. That there are days where our soul feels more free and lighter and yet there are days our soul feels so weighty. So some days our soul can feel light, so other days it can feel heavy. Why is this? Well, let's talk about weights that can affect this fluctuating experience. There is the weight of sin. You remember the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, he says, we're running this race, that God has this race, He has this purpose for us in Christ Jesus, and, and yet there are weights that can try to slow us down. Slow us down. It's interesting, it means related to our purpose and related to us finishing our course, there's a weightiness of the soul. That my ability and my capacity to move forward and to run the race is greatly dependent upon the weight of my soul. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So he's saying learn to deal with the weight of our soul by laying it aside and the sin which so easily ensnares us so that we could run. Run experiencing a sense of feeling lighter, a sense of zeal for the Lord, a sense of passion and vitality and a sense of God's favor and His comfort. But there is a weight of sin. A weight of sin, in fact, all of us who are regenerated and have been brought into a relationship with the Father through faith and surrender and the Lordship of Jesus, this is one of the evidences of the fact that we are a child of God. That when we sin knowingly, meaning when we do something we know we should not or we don't do something we should, we feel a weight in our soul. So sin is a weight that can weigh upon our soul, but then there's also the weight of the body or the flesh. 1 Peter 2, 11, the apostle Peter, he exhorts the believers and he says, hey, you're sojourners, you're pilgrims on this earth and on this uh, world and during this age, but abstain from the fleshly lust which war against the soul. Notice there's a war against the soul and this war against the soul has a weight to it. It has a weight. Then there's the weight of, wo- of words. There's the weight of words. In fact, Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Anybody ever had a teacher? Anybody ever had a friend? Anybody ever had a parent? Anybody ever had uh, uh, someone speak something and, and, and when it hit your ears, just a weight hits your soul? It, it's like hope tried to dissipate. It's just like fear tried to grip. It's just like... Positive expectations seem to instantly vanish. Why? Because there's a weight that words carry. Makes me think about Samson as we've talked about him numerous times over the last couple series. But I think about how in Judges 12 it said that Delilah pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed unto death. He wasn't dying, but his soul felt deathly. Why? Because the weight of words was vexing his soul. It makes me think about David. In 1 Samuel 30, the Bible says David was greatly distressed. Why? For the people. Now these aren't, these aren't the people like of the world that he would expect to be his enemies. No, these are people that's been in battle with him. These are people that have followed him when he didn't have no honor and didn't have no resources and didn't seem to have no favor and didn't seem to have no anointing. And, and they followed him in the desert times and in the barren times. But in this moment it said all the people spoke of stoning him. Because their soul was grieved. And out of their soul being grieved, they spoke to David and made David's soul become grieved. There's also not just the weight of sin and the weight of our body and the weight of the flesh. And not just the weight of words that we hear and receive and people speak to us. But there's also the weight of circumstances. I think about Hannah. How Hannah had been longing for something that she could find evidence scripturally that God wanted for her. 
And yet she had this place of barrenness, this place that didn't look like a fertile field, didn't look like a faithfulness of God, didn't look like God was prospering it. It just was barren. And yet in this circumstance, she prayed and said in 1 Samuel 1.15, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit and I've poured out my soul before the Lord. She poured out her soul, the, her, the weight of circumstance. It makes me think about Job. Job lost his health. Job lost his family. Job lost his business and his wealth. Job lost the support of his friends. And he said in Job 30 and 16, My soul is poured out because of my plight. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. I think of David another time in Psalms 42 and 4 where he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. Pour out my soul within me. There is the weight of sin upon our souls. There is the weight of the body and flesh upon our soul. There is the weight of words. There is the weight of circumstances. And there are also the weight of cares. The cares of this life. You remember Jesus spoke of these cares, he said in Luke 21 and 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. That day come on you unexpectedly. There's cares in this life. There's responsibilities. There's some of us who are responsible for our family for relationships, for businesses, for the jobs of our employees. Great responsibilities. Cares in this life, there's a weight to it. But you know what else there's a weight to? There's a weight of eternity. Can I tell you that the weight and the reality of eternity weighs upon every soul of every person? Whether they know it or not, there is a weight there. For Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in the hearts of every person. And it's a weight. Some don't understand what that weight is, but they feel feel the weight. It leads man, it leads us on a search because of this weight. When you think about the weight of eternity normally... People think people think simply about hell Andrew, are you gonna be able to see this? Okay. Thank you for helping me. In heaven. When we think about the weight of eternity, normally we think just about hell and heaven. And we think once that we've answered the question personally or culturally about a person whose destiny and future is either hell or heaven, we think then that the weights of life have finally been answered. But see, when we try to frame eternity just between the borders of hell and heaven, it's an incomplete gospel. It's an insufficient gospel. And this is why so many of us here today have been confused so long. In fact, this is, let me tell you, one of the top reasons why people who think they have this issue that they have defined by hell and heaven, eternity, though they thought they had that issue solved, will still walk away from the Lord's best. Because this type of framework is incomplete. You know why? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. When I hear at hand, I like to simply take it to help me to mean it's as close as my own hand. Meaning God's kingdom and what Jesus has done 
is as real and as close and as impactful to my life as my hand is to my life. Well, my hand's connected to my body. It's connected to my life, meaning the kingdom of God is now connected to today. It's connected to my experience today that I don't have to wait until eternity of heaven. There is something that I can experience today. And it's the gospel and how it applies to today that actually affects the weightiness of my soul. How many of you have just framed your life? Well, I know I've confessed Jesus and believe in Jesus and I know heaven awaits me and yet your soul today is very weighty. Very weighty. In fact, your soul today can seem as weighty as an unbeliever. In fact, biblically, the biggest borders of eternity is actually hell becomes the lake of fire. (laughs) And heaven actually is that heaven comes on earth for a new earth where God dwells amongst us redeemed humans in a physical but glorified body. Meaning we try to think life about something way up there, but the real gospel is, no, no, no. Hell is temporary. Heaven as we know it is temporary. It's all leading to things being restored the way that God intended. Now, when we know Jesus as Lord, and when we deal with this weight of our eternity, it leads to us having rest of spirit. I'll never forget when I truly had a substance of Holy Spirit faith that my sins had been dealt with. That even though I was still jacked up and messed up and had a lot of questions and anxieties and weights and things in my soul that needed to be dealt with, but when I knew that Jesus had laid hold of me and I'd let Him lay hold of me and that I was now in union with Him in spirit, that I could never experience another day or any moment in the future apart from Him. There was a rest in my spirit. This is what Jesus spoke of in John 4 and John 6. He said, there's a hunger and thirst that actually can go away and you never experience again. And what he's talking about there, he's talking about the hunger and the search of our inner man and our spirit, that eternity. Our spirit can come to a rest through surrender to Jesus. But what I found is that so many of us get confused because we can feel restful in our spirit regarding eternity and we belong to the Lord but moment by moment and day after day and season after season be very restless in our soul. See, I've had rest in my spirit but have often still had restlessness in my life. Some of you are restless today. What's going on? Where's the restlessness coming from? Well, Hebrews 4.12, the writer says, For the word of God is living and powerful and Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What the writer here is saying is Scripture is given, and it's a perfect tool, a perfect tool to locate our restlessness, to locate where our restlessness is coming from. See, I believe the reason... So many churches and and people in churches have thought we've had to be or have allowed ourselves to be forced to be hypocrites or have allowed ourselves to be conformed to feel like we had to wear masks is because of this issue I'm talking about. That because we have confusion on that we can have a rest in our spirit knowing Jesus is mine and 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 I am His, and yet still have restlessness in my current experience. And because there's not an acceptance of that, 
And the reality of that, I think so often we just throw up the mask and try to hide the reality that no, there's a, a great weight and restlessness still in my soul. Still in my soul. And when we do that, listen, we forfeit the authority that God has given us and what He's called us to to actually be able to speak to others around us. We forfeit it. Why? Because when we deny the fact that we experience restlessness, what in the world does a world that's having constant restlessness, not just of the soul but of the spirit, what do they think we have to say? Or that we can understand? So listen, there is a restlessness of the soul that as followers of Jesus, we can still experience. And so if there is a restlessness of the soul that we can still experience between the borders of eternity, what do we do with it? Well, I want to challenge us and encourage us that it's okay to not do with what I just said. To have to play church or put on a mask or deny that Though we've given our life to Jesus and He's Lord and our eternity secure in Him because He is our eternity. And yet there's still a restlessness that we're experiencing. What do we do with this? Well, let me talk about lifting. There has to be a lifting of the weight of the soul. Meaning... There has to be a, prior, a priority or there has to be a diligence of being willing to address and do something about the weight of the soul. And when we think about this lifting that needs to happen regarding our soul and the restlessness, listen, this lifting is not for right standing with God, but it's for my right living now. Listen, the lifting of the weight that we are carrying in our soul is not for right standing with the Father, our Creator. But it's for our right living as followers of Jesus now. Listen, it's not a lifting regarding my future dwelling, but for the current experience of what's dwelling in my soul. That... I can be restful in spirit, but yet restless in my soul until I begin to lift and deal with and address the restlessness in soul. So this is not a lifting the weight of my future in eternity. That weight has been dealt with and has led me to find rest in my spirit. This is a lifting the weight regarding my current experience. My current experience. And you know what I found personally and what I've seen corporately is when we are not clear, it is easy to be confused. That when we're not clear, it's very easy to get confused. Look again at Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen, Scripture is given to divide soul and spirit. But listen, Scripture is also given for us to be able to divide things of the soul. To divide things of the soul. Let me talk about the division of the soul. When you... Talk about the division of the soul. There are things regarding your soul that your mind, will, and emotions, listen, that can be changed. There are areas of your mind, the way you think, attitudes, perceptions, judgments, desires, affections of your will, emotions, that absolutely can be changed. In fact, the psalmist said, the law of the Lord converts the soul. David in Psalms 23, when he talked about the Lord is my shepherd, he says he restores the soul. That's the soul being changed. Psalms 41.4, he says that he heals the soul. The soul can be healed. 
Most of you that have been in growth phases or in growth phases, I think that you are accepting of this fact. But because you're accepting of this fact and not clear on the next thing I'm going to say, that's where so much confusion comes in. Is we look at the area of the soul and we see God's promises saying, wait a minute, my soul can be redeemed, my soul can be healed, my soul can be delivered, my soul can be converted. Listen, this is our character can change. We can experience transformation and formation in the soul. But beyond the soul being changed, there are still soul thirst and the hunger of the soul. In fact, the scripture speaks of the longings of the soul. Did you know that your soul has longings? The scripture in 1 Samuel 23, 20 speaks of the desires of the soul. Isaiah 29, 8, it speaks of the soul's cravings. Listen to me. Your soul has desires, thirst, cravings, and a hunger. Now this is where the theme or the issue of the sanctification of the soul comes in. Because I believe all of you are honest enough here today with reality that you would acknowledge that some of your soul's cravings, some of the things that your soul thirsts for, some of the things that your soul hungers for are not pure, are not God's best, are not the most excellent way of love. And so there is the purification and the sanctification, the setting apart of our soul's thirst and hunger. But I believe some of us have got confused in believing that in the sanctification and in the purification of our soul's thirst and hunger, that it is then the annihilation or the removal of ever having a soul thirst or soul hunger again. And that's not true. And I believe that's why some of us have shut down. And at times you not just feel like a robot, but if we can be honest, you look to us like a robot. (laughs) You shut down. Because what happens when we get confused? Normally we shut down. We feel overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. It don't make sense. I had my soul's thirst and hunger purified. Then why now am I still emotionally, mentally, volitionally still having a thirst and hunger? Because I want to tell you that as followers of Jesus Christ, even after our soul's desires and our thoughts and our emotions get purified, there still remains the thirst and hunger of the soul. There still remains the thirst and the hunger of the soul. I think about the psalmist. He said, my soul pants for you. He says, my soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for you, Lord. In Psalms 107.9, he says, he satisfies the longing soul. And he fills the hungry soul with goodness. This is when our soul's thirst and hunger gets purified. It no longer hungers and thirsts for impure things, improper things. But now there's still a thirst that remains. There's still a hunger that remains. But now it's for the Lord. It's for His ways. It's for His word. It's for His will. It's for His purpose. There's still a thirst and a hunger. It's just purified and it's for the Lord. Think about Israel. Israel was led by God into the wilderness. Listen, not to remove their thirst and hunger, but to purify their thirst and hunger. But it said that they didn't understand the the process and didn't engage it. So they they kept their thirst and hunger for what they had in Egypt. Think about that. They began to pant and long and lust for Egypt, meaning they were willing to be a slave but be secure. They they were willing to be a slave, but at least they were secure. No, no, listen. God wants to purify and then satisfy the thirst and hunger we have with Him, His purpose, His will, His ways. Israel never allowed their 
soul's thirst and hunger to be purified. Now here's the thing. We all are going to keep experiencing our soul having a thirst and hunger. Even when the impure thirst and the impure desires and the impure hunger is purified, if you let the Holy Spirit do it, He is the God who sanctifies. He's more than able to do it. But even after that purification, our soul was created to still thirst and hunger. And because of that, listen, even though we've found the resolution to the weight we had regarding our spirit and eternity in Jesus, even though that's been resolved, that that thirst and hunger we never have to have again, we still will experience the thirst and hunger of our soul. And listen, it means it gets us back on a search. Listen, because we keep experiencing a thirst and hunger of the soul, even though we're not now on a search about eternity and about where we're going to live for eternity, it still leads us on a search. Some of you today, you're not searching for who has the power to forgive sins and reconcile you to your Creator. That's been resolved and you have rest in your spirit, but you come in here today and you're still searching for something. And the reason you're still searching for something is you're searching for what can actually deal with the weight in your soul and can quench the current thirst and hunger you're experiencing in your soul. Listen, we are compelled to constantly live on a search. This is why today in our culture, the acceptance of the fact we're all on a journey Because we have this reality that we're on this journey. There's a continual search. That that it can't, it's not like we can bring everything to finality and then just coast through life, the rest of life. We are constantly going to stay on a search. Meaning, this is where soul seeking comes in. Your thirst and your hunger compel you, compel you without asking, without a vote, but compels you into a search on what is going to seek to satisfy the craving and the thirst and hunger of your soul. We are thrust automatically into this search of our soul seeking what will help and resolve the thirst and hunger and the weight of my soul currently. This is what's called the lifting of my soul. That because we're thrust into this soul seeking whether we want to be or not, because we're thrust into this journey of what's going to fulfill the soul's thirst and the soul's hunger, we are then brought into the issue of what are we going to lift our soul to. We're going to lift the restlessness of our soul to something or someone to seek to find rest. If we lift our soul to the wrong things, it actually leads to more leanness of soul. But if we lift our soul to the right one or the right things, it actually can lead to strength in our soul. We have the option based on what we lift our soul to of leanness of soul or strength of soul. If I lift my soul to the wrong things, or wrong objects of worship, even though, listen, I have temporarily drank something 
ate something, it results in further leanness of my soul because it's not the right thing that my soul's to be lifted to. Psalms 86 and 4, the psalmist says, Rejoice the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Notice that. We have a choice when we are compelled back onto this search, this soul searching of what can quench this thirst and hunger, what can deal with this weight. We have the option to lift our soul to idols or to lift our soul to Jesus. And the psalmist here says, I lift up my soul to you, Lord. And then he says in Psalms 138.3, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Made me bold with strength in my soul. See, there is an eating of the soul. Our soul is eating constantly and drinking constantly as we lift our soul to something or someone to try to quench the current thirst and hunger, the current search or deal with the weights and heaviness or cares that's currently in our soul. Proverbs 13.25 says, But the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul. We can learn to eat the right things that leads to that whatever that current craving is, whatever that current thirst is for, whatever that current hunger is, it can lead to it being satisfied. How many of you had a hunger or had thirst yesterday? Let me see your hand. Anybody? The rest of you. I knew you weren't real. You're a robot. Didn't even have any hunger or thirst. So I guess you just fasted all day. Didn't drink anything, eat anything. Well, those of you that had a thirst and, and, and physical thirst or physical hunger yesterday, did you satisfy it? But the question is, has it returned? Oh, no. Oh, so you're not going to eat today because the hunger yesterday was fulfilled? Oh, you're not going to drink anything today because when you had the thirst yesterday, you drank something and it was satisfied, so you never have to deal with that issue again. It's compartmentalized. It can be put out of your life. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to go back to it. You don't have to deal with that experience anymore. No. Oh, so you ate yesterday and it was satisfied, so you're good for the rest of your life. No, no, no. Listen, if we can understand how though our physical hunger and physical thirst can be satisfied, and yet even though it was satisfied, the hunger and thirst returns. Then why do we have a difficult time when it comes to our soul's thirst and hunger? That we can have our soul thirsty and hungry, and we can come in one Sunday and finally get real and say, God, my soul is so weary, it's so heavy. And I'm going to lift it to you, Lord. I'm going to lift it to you. And as we lift it to Him, we begin to eat in His presence. We begin to drink in His presence. We begin to eat and drink in His promises. And our soul gets satisfied in that moment. We sense a comfort. We sense a strength. We sense His joy and His peace. And we get up saying, Hallelujah, I've ate of the Lord. And we walk out and yet then more weights come on our soul. And our soul begins to thirst again and hunger again with who's going to deal with these weights? Who's going to help me with these cares? Who's going to help me with these words that I've received? Who's going to help me with these hurts? Who's going to help me with the weight of my soul? And we are compelled to search again. We are compelled and thrust into a story of search again without being asked. And then we're brought to the question, who this time will we lift our soul to? To have the thirst and hunger satisfied. And then it's not just a second time. Then it's another time. This is the reality of the experience. Not just unbelievers. But it's for every human. Because God created our soul. To have thirst and hunger that though it can be satisfied in a moment, the thirst and hunger will return again. And return again. And return again. And every time it returns, we're dealt with the issue. What or who will we look to to lift our soul thirst and hunger to? Jesus here in our text says, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29... 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And I believe that we as believers, we do our best to forget about hermeneutics, rightly interpreting and applying Scripture, and we do it with this. And I believe we do our best to try to force this saying of Jesus into a one-time event that we can say has been accomplished. I no longer have to think about it. I no longer have to deal with it. It is over. It is put on a shelf. It is resolved. And now I can just go about life. And I believe that is why we keep the restlessness of our soul so long in our experience. Because I think that it's actually more like keep learning from me. Keep my yoke. Keep finding rest for your soul. Keep learning that any thirst and any hunger that you have, that you can find rest and satisfaction for that thirst and hunger of your soul in me. Learn in me how to have even that thirst And even that hunger as a believer satisfied in me. And then thirst and hunger is going to return. And then he says, but keep my yoke again. Keep learning from me again. And find out that even that thirst and even that hunger can be satisfied in me. This is the resting of our soul. I don't know what is the issue or the current weight of your soul that has, without even asking you and without even you signing off on it, compelled you into this search. This search to have that hunger and thirst satisfied. But I know Jesus says that even this thirst and hunger, that you can find rest for it in Him. That there is a resting of the soul. You know why I have found that I allow the restlessness to continue when Jesus offers a rest? Not a one-time rest, but a rest for what currently my soul is searching for. Is because we're spiritually lazy. See, Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Meaning, the lazy man has the desires, has the hunger and the thirst, but does nothing. Or lifts those desires, those thirsts, to the wrong things with no result of actual rest. See, listen to me. We are all vulnerable to seek the easy comforts. That's why there's marketing, comfort foods. Comfort. Comfy blankets, comfy chairs. Those are the easy things we can lift our soul to, but they don't lead to this satisfaction with that thirst and hunger we're experiencing that Jesus mentions. And you know what makes them so easy? Is we can smell them. We can actually see them. We can actually hear them. Or touch them. The Lord has comforts for our soul. He doesn't satisfy us in a hard way. In in, in always a difficult way. He says, I have comforts too. I have delights with me. Did you know the Bible says that the Father at His right hand, Jesus, there's pleasures there. There's pleasures in following Jesus. The difficulty we have though, is you have to have faith in and for them because they're not always things you see with the natural eye or hear with the natural ear and there's a spiritual waiting and trusting but listen as we wait we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit we have the substance of faith so this resting that Jesus talks about is that when we bring our thirst and hunger that's compelling us currently in our search and what we're restless in we bring it to Him that 
He can lead us to a rest of faith. How many understand though that you can have the rest of faith and not yet have the rest of the, in, in your experience? The psalmist talks about that. He says, my soul rests in the Lord, but I wait. I wait. So there's a resting of faith, but then there's a rest in experience. It's a rest in experience. And the Lord will lead us in both. Psalmist said, he's redeemed my soul from the battle. Solomon said, I sought the Lord and found rest. God gave Solomon rest from all his enemies as he followed the way of wisdom. It led not just to a rest in faith, but it led eventually to a rest in experience. And I thought about what can I leave you all with today to help drive home and put a picture, put a model in front of you regarding soul weight and the reality of this process we will continue to engage and experience in life. And I thought about the illustration of working out. I thought about how in luxury homes nowadays one of the main things asked for that will get the price of luxury properties higher is a personal gym. The privatization of within their home and in their property having a gym. I thought about how lifting out and working out applies. How when I'm going to work out physically, I, I get my workout shorts on. I pull them real high because I'm getting older, you know. And I go through my, get my perfect push-ups in place. Get a couple of those going. And I say, now I got to lift even more. And when you're in, when you're in the, when you're in the land of more like me, that's that's three pounds. I thought, oh, let me lift out. Since I normally hold the microphone with my left hand, let me make sure I get my left bicep. When we think about physically working out, we think about lifting. And for you meatheads in the audience who lift all the time, what do we do after we lift? We eat. We go get our special shake bottle because without the special shake bottle, you just can't make a shake. Or if you're like me, you get a pink one because you're securing your identity as a man or you, or you take your wife's. But, but you quench your thirst and get some nutrients in your shake and you get out that good food like rice and endurance. And after you... Lift, what do you do? You, you eat. And you drink to the satisfying of your physical thirst and hunger. After you lift and after you eat and drink, then you rest. And you just chill. And you rest and think, man, I need this rest because I've just worked. I've just lifted just eat, eating, and you rest. But you know what happens? Those of you that work out, the desire to work out and lift returns. That those who lift and work out often, they don't do it once and forever. That issue in life is satisfied and, and settled. No, it's lift, it's eat, it's rest, then it's repeat. Why repeat? Because the desire returns. The need to work out returns. The need to work out those muscles and body again returns. It's lift, 
It's eat. It's rest. It's repeat. Let's say it. It's lift, eat, rest, and repeat. When it comes to physically working out, it's, it's lift and eat and rest and repeat. And I think for some of us that understand that physically, we go because maybe we don't have the luxury to have a home gym, but Jesus understood we needed a spiritual place to work out at home. He called it your secret place. And we go over to our secret place. And we say, oh God, I'm so heavy. God, I don't know if you understand the weight that I'm carrying with the responsibilities you've given me. My soul is heavy. And God, I, I'm lifting these weights of my cares with my children and not knowing how and my siblings and, and, and dealing with these relatives, God, and bosses at work who are ungodly and don't care about integrity and, and, and ethics and yet are making demands, God. And I'm just lifting all this weight to you. And then, oh, that took so much effort. I'm hungry now. God, speak to me. Lord, comfort me. Lord, give me a promise. Lord, give me your presence. God, give me your water. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. To go, to move ahead again because I know reality I'm going to experience weights again. So I, I, need, some, I need some strength in my soul to move forward because I know I'm going to find myself again back in this place with all the weights on my soul that, that I'm trying to, to lift onto the Father. And Jesus says, hey, you're not going to be alone. You remember? It's my yoke. I'm yoked with you. You don't have to lift these cares to the Father on your own. I'm here. You're not lifted alone. I'm here to teach you how to lift the load and lift the weight and lift the cares and lift the anxieties to the Father and how to get Him to answer because he hears. So eat of me. Drink of me. And then we feel a breakthrough and our soul comes to a moment of rest. A moment of satisfaction. And then we think, oh yeah, it's like working out. It's lift and eat and rest and repeat. Except this time we come again and we lift and we eat, we rest and we repeat, we come again. And then all of a sudden it's not working. Because I found that spiritually, in the spiritual workout room, in this secret workout gym, there's something that has to be added that you don't have to have over there. That over here, yes, there's still lift, and yes, there's still eat, and yes, there's still rest. But before we repeat, there needs to be remember. There's got to be a remembering. At least the value of this process just become a ritual without remembering. It's the Lord who's there who wants to lift with you. He don't want you just to engage in prayer and lifting on your own. He wants to lift with you. He doesn't want you just to eat Scripture and, and drink of Scripture without actually hearing from Him. Give you rhema to your situation. That He doesn't want you to just find a temporary rest, but a rest that's disconnected from Him. We have to remember... As Proverbs says, the redemption of our soul is costly. It's costly. That to have the weights, it's a band, you can come. To have the weights of our soul lifted to the Father, to even have the ability for that to happen, it was costly. It took Jesus coming and shedding His blood and His body being plowed and Him hanging on a cross to make that possible. 
to have the ability to hear from the Spirit of the Lord that we can't see or smell or touch, that was costly. It took Jesus' veil, His body being ripped. And having the current thirst and hunger we're experiencing satisfied, it was costly. It took Jesus. So the lift and the eat and the rest, there's got to be remembering. Then we repeat. We move from glory to glory. We move in this process of repeating by, yes, keep lifting the soul's thirst and hunger. Yes, keep eating the Lord from His presence and drinking His raiment, His promises in of coming to a place where the temporary longings of our soul experiences His comfort, His satisfaction, His rest. But before we then are ready to take another thirst and another hunger that's going to come, we got to remember the cost that made that possible. We remember we do it with Jesus. Or better yet, that Jesus does it with us. That we're not alone. That He knows in moments like Garden of Gethsemane when he's, His soul is overwhelmed, He knows what the lifting of those weights looks like to the Father. He knows what it's like to keep eating from the strength of God's presence. He had angels ministering, helping, and eating from the promises of Scripture that He would not leave His soul in Hades, that though the cross awaited, that rest would come. I think often we stop this process because we think our lifting is always going to look so spiritual. Father, I'm here today. In Jesus' name, I'm so heavy. You understand. Here it is. In Jesus' name. I think we fail to understand at times it's messy. God, I feel alone. I'm heavy, Lord. I think that because we've created images of what it's supposed to look like, we talk ourselves out of the process. And I think, do we have the video ready? I think at times the lifting of our soul and weights in that place looks a lot more often maybe like this. Right, going for my uh, max rep. Uh, I've got 50 kg on the bar. Most of them was a fail we're in here and we're, we think we've got the repeat down but we're experiencing a thirst and a hunger and a weightiness of circumstances and weights and there's nothing like the weightiness of the soul that turns us into a baby again mom dad they didn't come Michelle come in here help me Alexa, you know how to pray? You're four years old, you know how? Church, I need a, I need a prayer chain. No one comes. As Jesus said, come to me. Learn. There's not, a, there's not a soul weight that I don't know how to get off the Father. But at times it looks like that. 
Because you know what Proverbs says when he said, commit your ways to the Lord. You know what commit means? It means roll them to the Lord. Just roll them. It don't matter how sloppy it looks. It don't matter how clean it looks. Just let the Lord be there with you in it. Listen, He cares about the weight we carry today. What you're doing today is wise because this is one of the ways we remember. By gathering together with other brothers and sisters. We remember by hearing God's faithfulness in His Word. We remember by grouping together in connect groups and by growing together in growth phase. We remember by in times getting in prayer. We remember in communion. So for us, it's lift, it's eat, it's rest, it's remember, then it's repeat. Because soul's thirst and soul's hunger will return. And therefore, it's going to continually, if we want the heaviness of soul to be dealt with, it's lift, it's eat, it's rest, it's remember, it's repeat. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.com dot org.